Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Hoping you're having a very pleasant Friday. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we wrap up our look at an article in the April 2022 edition of the Leahona Magazine, an article titled, I Do Not Know the Meaning of All Things, and That's Okay. It was written by Megan Thompson Ramsey who starts off her piece by telling the story when she encountered a female investigator who she says kept asking for physical or tangible evidence that the Book of Mormon was true. She admits she did not have answers to her questions, but as she says in the second paragraph, she realized it wouldn't have mattered if I had physical evidence to prove the Book of Mormon was true because proof wouldn't give her faith. We agree it wouldn't give an individual faith, but certainly evidence does help people move towards that necessary faith. We would believe that within Christian circles as well. On page 28, she goes on to say, For me, when I accepted that there are things that I may never completely understand in this life and focus on what I do know, other things don't shake my testimony of God's love for me and the truthfulness of this church. Now, Eric, she just made a truth claim that her church is true. How did she come to the conclusion that her church was true? As I've mentioned earlier in this series, your faith is only as good as the object you put it in. How does she know the church that she belongs to is a good source of faith? Because the church tells her a lot of things. Where are they getting this information? Many times they're not getting it from the Bible. It's going back to Joseph Smith. Is Joseph Smith a good object of faith? Because again, if your faith is only as good as the object in which you put it, then Joseph Smith would have to be a good object. But is he? Is he when he contradicts what's in the New Testament? Is he by his behavior an example of what a true prophet of God should be? You're making a good case as far as presuppositions. Well, how do people believe what they believe? If you're a Muslim and you live in Saudi Arabia, you're only going to hear from the imam. You're only going to hear from people around you who believe the same thing. It's obvious you're going to become and stay Islamic. The input you receive is going to be the way that you're going to believe. And for Latter-day Saints, where do they get their information? Well, they get it from their standard works when they're reading the Book of Mormon more than they are the Bible, when they are listening to their leaders at General Conference, when they are reading the books they're supposed to, when they're doing the Come Follow Me series they're supposed to do weekly. There's a number of ways that they're going to get the same uh, story. So when you talk to one Latter-day Saint, You've talked to a hundred because they all have the same idea that Joseph Smith is a true prophet of God, that he actually saw God the Father and Jesus, that he translated the Book of Mormon, and so on and so forth. So she is just repeating what she has been taught. But you're asking the question, how does she know what she's being told is true? How does she know what she knows? And basically what you're asking, Eric, is, well, this is epistemology. Because that's exactly what epistemology is. Epistemology aims to provide a foundation for what we consider to be true knowledge. 
And how do we come to that conclusion? That's so important. And unfortunately, so many Latter-day Saints don't seem to follow these rules. Faith is a, a great thing, and certainly we share faith in our traditions. How we obtain that faith may be different. But let me just say this. Believing that which is unproven, as I've said, is faith. But believing that which is disproven is folly. And I would argue that a lot of the things that Latter-day Saints are led to believe are things that can be disproven. And if you believe that, that's not faith, that's folly. That's a great quote. Can you repeat that for us again? Believing that which is unproven is faith. Believing that which is disproven is folly. Now, I don't know who coined that little saying, but it is certainly accurate, and I think it's a good rule even for us as New Testament Christians. Now, in her article, she goes on to say, I echo the words of Elder David A. Bedner of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Bettner said, but some things I absolutely do know. I know we are spirit sons and daughters of a loving Heavenly Father. Let me stop you there. How does Bedner know that? That goes back to Joseph Smith. That doesn't even go back to the Book of Mormon. Joseph Smith came up with that idea. Is it wise to trust in that presupposition? We don't find anything like that in the Bible. It doesn't teach us anything that Mormons believe on this pre-existence and how we were spirit sons and daughters. But that paragraph goes on to say what? I know the Eternal Father is the author of the plan of happiness. I know Jesus Christ is our Savior and Redeemer. I would stop you there, Eric, and ask the question, does Bedner know that Jesus Christ is his Savior and Redeemer? Does he have the assurance that his sins are forgiven? We talked about that yesterday in the commentary by Simon Kistemacher, a Christian theologian, who says that Hebrews chapter 11, the faith that's being spoken of is a faith of assurance, something that we don't find a lot of Latter-day Saints have. In fact, it was Spencer Kimball who said that the only way we can know we're forgiven is if we're living all of the commandments. Is that what David Bedner has done in order to draw the conclusion that Jesus Christ is perhaps his Savior and Redeemer? If he's not Bedner's personal Savior and Redeemer, the words Savior and Redeemer become nothing but mere titles. It doesn't really have a personal meaning for the individual. But then she goes on to quote Elder Neil A. Maxwell of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, what did he say? Of course, we cannot fully comprehend all of this right now. Of course, we cannot know the meaning of all things right now, but we can know right now that God knows us and loves us individually. I would have to ask, what do you mean by the word love in this context? Are you implying that God's love means that he's going to save everyone regardless of what they believe or what they've done. Not even Mormonism would go that far. He's not going to allow everybody into his presence. The only people who are allowed to be in the presence of Heavenly Father, according to Mormonism, are those who have done everything that has been asked of them as far as repenting of all their sins, never to repeat the sins, and to keep all the commandments. Those who do not do that, his love does not extend to them as far as being in his presence. They will be relegated to a lower level, a lower kingdom, either the terrestrial or the telestial kingdom. 
Certainly there seems to be no love for the devil and his angels in a Mormon context because they're cast into outer darkness. So what does this word love really mean to a Latter-day Saint? But this is where Megan Ramsey gets the title of her article. It comes from a paraphrase of this statement by Neil Maxwell. And we were talking yesterday, too, about what a person has to do. There's responsibility. It says in Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, For I, the Lord, cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. Nevertheless, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. So the responsibility, the onus is on the back of every Latter-day Saint. The love of God, of being able to be resurrected, well, that happens to everybody in one of the three kingdoms of glory, but the only people who get to go to the celestial kingdom and be in his presence, as you said, because God cannot take any sin into his presence, which I agree with, it's only for those who can actually accomplish what God has put forth. And First Nephi 3.7 says all of the commandments of God are possible. You just need to do it. And that's why I question what she says on page 27, where she wrote, having faith in Jesus Christ means relying completely on him. Well, when it comes to an individual Latter-day Saint salvation— Certainly, they're not relying completely on Jesus. The phrase that we often use in Christian circles, Jesus is enough, is not something you see on a bumper sticker on a car that's owned by a Latter-day Saint. They just don't usually use an expression like that because Jesus really isn't enough. Yes, he provides the means, but you have to meet certain accomplishments before you get the benefits of that atonement. Page 29, she wraps this whole article up in a section she titles, We Can Always Choose Faith. This is what she writes. I ended our lesson with that young woman on my mission by testifying boldly of the Book of Mormon. I told her the only way she could truly find answers to all her questions was to ask Heavenly Father if the Book of Mormon was true. Until she understood the basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ, she could put her other questions on the shelf and revisit them later with greater understanding and faith. But honestly, doesn't that apply to all of us? We can actually increase our faith by acting in faith. She talks about that shelf, and that's something that's very common we hear when we're talking to Latter-day Saints who have left the church. They put these doubts and these questions on this shelf, and then what eventually happens? The shelf breaks. There's too much weight on the shelf because there are so many questions that have been put on that shelf. That may happen to this woman who wrote this article. We don't know. But we certainly do know it has happened to hundreds, even thousands, tens of thousands of former Latter-day Saints when their questions were not being answered and they realized there weren't any good answers to these questions. If there weren't any good answers to these questions, does that make Mormonism good or bad? But when she says, I ended our lesson with that young woman on my mission by testifying boldly of the Book of Mormon, she's using the bandwagon approach, which is very common with missionaries. Hey, I believe it. We all believe it. It's a good thing. Jump on the bandwagon. She said, I told her the only way she could truly find answers to all her questions was to ask Heavenly Father if the Book of Mormon was true. This goes back to the question I raised earlier in this series. What do you do with the tens of thousands of people who have done just that and felt that God told them the Book of Mormon was not true? There are probably far more people 
who have read Moroni 10.4, and that's exactly what she's pointing to here, that have read Moroni 10.4, and they prayed the prayer, and God did not speak to them in the same way that he has spoken to many members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What do you do with their testimony? Do you just throw it out? Because if you just throw it out, then I guess that's not really a good test then, is it? Otherwise, you would have to give some validity to the answer that those people received. What should somebody who's listening right now, who's a Latter-day Saint, or thinking about leaving Mormonism, what should they do to be able to keep a faith in God? I think what they ought to do is to do exactly what Megan Ramsey says on page 27. She says that if you have real faith in Jesus Christ, it includes believing his teachings. Here's the challenge I want to make to any Latter-day Saint who's listening. If you believe in Jesus' teachings, then set aside your Mormonism as much as you can and begin reading the Gospels to find out what it is that Jesus actually taught. If you were to do that, you're probably going to find that what is taught in the Gospels, what is taught in the epistles of Paul and so forth in the New Testament, certainly does not reflect the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If true faith in Christ means it includes believing his teachings, ask yourself, when you read the New Testament, and if these teachings are not the same, who is it that you're really believing? What is it that you really have your faith in? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.